Well, this morning we're talking about Jesus. Can you imagine that? Talking about Jesus. It's all about him, folks. It is all about him. It's not your troubled kids. It's not your nasty boss. It's not your spouse. It's all about him. Everything we do is about him. What he's done on the cross of Calvary for you and for me. Look beyond the fault and see the need. What a great word the Lord gave us this morning through our sister. Look beyond the fault. Allow Jesus to shine through that person. Allow Jesus, allow Holy Spirit to, 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 to navigate those waters that you so desperately want to put your oar into. Stay out of that. That's Holy Spirit's job. Okay? All right. Now we're going to go into the sermon. How's that sound? You know, in dealing with people over the years, I've, I've learned a few things. And so have you. And one of the consistent things that I've learned is that when people have their priorities out of whack, everything's out of whack. You've got to keep your priorities straight. Is it a challenge sometimes? Well, sure it is. Sure it is. Living the Christian walk, nobody's ever said it's going to be easy all the time. There's always different things screaming at us. There's different voices screaming. There's different things tugging at our pants at all times. Just everything and everybody wants our attention. And so it's important that we keep our priorities straight. There was a gospel singer and evangelist named Billy Fields, and he wrote a song that said this, I, I didn't know Jesus was all I needed until he was all that I had. Mm. You've heard me illustrate before that when I was in Bible college 100 years ago, I used to have the opportunity to be a part of a ministry team that would go into some of the toughest prisons in our whole federal prison system. And we would go in, and, and here I am, a young buck at 20, and, you know, weighed about a buck 20, and, and the whole deal, you go in there, and I would sit across the table from convicted murderers, convicted rapists, and they'd lost everything. They were in there for life. They were going to die in prison. They weren't ever getting out. Their family wrote them off. Their friends wrote them off. And I was amazed at how despite their history, despite their choices, despite their crimes, Many of them were lovers of Jesus, and it took that bottom of the barrel to get them there. When they realized that, you know what, when they don't have anything, they still have Jesus. Some of you could stand and testify of a similar testimony. You could stand easily and say, listen, this is what happened to me. This is where I was at. I was on skid row, whatever that means, and, and this is what God did in my life. And when I realized I lost everything else, guess what? Jesus was still by my side. Jesus is all we need, folks. He is all we need. He has to be our focus. He has to be our focus. 1 Corinthians chapter 16. I, I love the book of Corinthians. I probably preach out of Corinthians often. I just find myself drawn to Corinthians. Because you know what? There's a lot of parallels and a lot of correlations to what Paul was speaking to, to the Corinthian church. They were screwed up. They were messed up. They got their priorities out of whack, and in some ways, it's really indicative of what 2017 United States of America is dealing with today. Priorities are out of whack, infighting at times, still sliding back into some old habits, and do you ever find yourself doing that, church? Not too many hands going up. Can I, can I just be, I want to encourage you, church, listen. Some of you slip back in some old junk on occasion. Now, what you feel in the word junk? That could mean all kinds of stuff, and we're not going there. We're not making the list. But some of you have 
made a lot of progress when you first found Jesus, haven't you? You could stand and yeah, 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 but every now and then you slip back into some old habits. You slip back into some old ways. You maybe slip, slip back into some old negative thinking or, or choose to participate in X behavior or that behavior. And, and you beat yourself up and you say, oh my golly, I must not even know Jesus. And where do you get that from? The enemy's voice whispering in your ear. Jesus does not take our salvation. Oh, sorry. Hi. Welcome. Glad you're here. Hi, little one. She's taking away my bottle. What's the deal? That looks good. Jesus does not give you salvation one day, then you kind of mess up, and then he steals it from you that night, and then he waits to see when you're good again, and then gives it back to you. That's not how our Jesus operates in our lives. Do you take and give love to your kids when they mess up? Do your, are you, am I the only one that has kids that mess up? Okay, so when your kids mess up, do you give them love and take love away when they're, no, what do you do? You love them through it. Are you angry? Are you mad? Are you disappointed? Sure you are. Welcome to being human. But our all-encompassing loving Father does not want us to live in a state of rebellion or live in a state of active sin. Of course not. But what I've witnessed over the years, folks, is this. Those of us that love Jesus, those of us that serve Jesus, those of us that want to obey Holy Spirit's call in our lives, and, and every time he says left or right, we try to be obedient to that. And most of us in this room would say, yeah, that's me, I want to do that. But man, I mess up all the time. Can I tell you, I'm in a position where I know a lot about a lot of your lives. And you're not alone. You're not alone. You're not the only one that screws up. Your neighbor screws up. Elbow your neighbor and say, ah, you screw up. <laughs> Welcome to the club. Now, don't misinterpret what I'm saying. I'm not saying, oh, yeah, do whatever you want. Jesus will love you. No, no, no. Yeah, that's true. Jesus will love you. And he wants us to live to a standard. He wants us to obey Holy Spirit. And he wants us to avoid sin. He wants us to embrace holiness and righteousness. You better believe that's all true. But he also knew that we have a humanity within us that he's still working on me. There's a big term called sanctification. Big, big word. And the moment we accept Christ, we're instantly sanctified in his eyes. Boom, we are clean. But the moment you get up from that altar, the moment you stand and brush off your knees and say, woo, I'm a new creation, guess what happens? That yuck and muck and dust and block and ooh, uh, ooh, yeah, starts to get on us. And so then we call that, you know what? He's still sanctifying me. There's instant sanctification. And there's called progressive sanctification. Meaning, you know what? The moment I gave my heart to Christ, I was clean, I was righteous, I was purified. But then living in this crappy world, can I say that word in church? It's sometimes ugly. Some of you are more mortified I said the word. I, didn't, I, I don't want to offend anybody. I really don't. I apologize if I offended you. I, that's not my heart. That's not my heart. But sometimes there's only so, so many words you can use. I apologize if that offended him. I really mean that. But the bottom line is this. We're all human. Give yourself room to be human. Some of you are far harder on yourselves than Holy Spirit ever has been. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 13 and 14 says this. Be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. Isn't it amazing how he 
Paul talking to the Corinthian church. Be courageous, be strong. And then the next, very next phrase says what? Oh, and do everything in love. So much like a general would give orders. Some of you have been in the military. Be courageous, be strong. Oh, and by the way, do everything in love. What does that mean? That means that our motive, say motive. Motive, motive has to be done in love. Our motive has to be one where our motive, as impure at times and as messed up as we are at times and as afflicted by the world at times and as all that, the bottom line is our motive has to be love. Has to be love. We need to love one another. What drew you to Christ? Was it a harsh ruler? Was it a whip? Was it a bat across the head? Or was it his love? Was it his love? You know, I, I love the message version of this. It says this. Listen, it's not on the screen. It says, keep your eyes open. Hold tight to your convictions. Give it all you've got. Be resolute and love without stopping. See, some of us get weary. And can I tell you why we get weary? Because we're trying to love on our own strength. That's why we get weary. See, when you find yourself tired because you're tired of people, when you find yourself short with others, you know, it's important that we have a gauge and an inner thermostat so you can begin to learn how you tick. Begin to learn how you operate. See, when you find yourself becoming weary, when you find yourself becoming short with others, there's a reason for that. And oftentimes when it's connected to loving others, when you're trying to love others in your own strength, you're going to run out of steam pretty early. Because we only have so much in there to give. We only have so much energy to give toward that love thing. And at the end of the day, there's a lot of situations in people's lives that inside of me, the carnal man of who I am, has very little love for. Very little patience for. But when I say, Lord, help me to see them. Help me to see that person. Help me to see their scenario. Help me to understand, God, where they've come from. Then all of a sudden, the love of Christ operating through me then all I am is a conduit of his love. See, it's important, church, that we learn how we tick. Learn about yourself. Ask people around you that care about you to give you honest feedback. Ask them to give you feedback. When do you find me to be short? So here's a confession. Are you ready? You know when I find myself to be short? When I get hungry. <laughs> am I the only one in the room that gets hangry? I'm just being honest. Listen, I, I'm a pretty compassionate, loving, caring dude. I really am. But I find myself when I'm hangry, you know, when I'm getting a little hungry and I realize I haven't eaten, I haven't had my two-hour feeding schedule. I get, I get a little edgy. That's what I'm just a little, I'm not angry dude and all that, but I get myself just a little, little on the edge, a little shorter than I normally would ever be because I'm hangry. The moment you feed me, oh, I'm like a purring kitten. I'll, you know, I'll crawl up around your ankles and, you know, I'll, I'll lick your shin. I'll do whatever because I'm a happy boy. I got my, my little milk belly, right? I'm not the only one in the room that can resonate this truth, huh? But believe it or not, all jokes aside, when I learned that about myself, it helped those around me. And it helped me. Because I catch myself. I'm like, you know what? I'm like, how, you know what? You, whoa, dude, just shut your mouth, 
get yourself some coffee. Oh, can you just say coffee? Oh, hallelujah. Yes. But you got to know yourself. Learn about yourself. Learn how you tick. And God can use you in a deeper and richer way. You know, it's amazing how the Corinthian church was not that different than us. They had questions. They were sometimes confused. They frequently made mistakes. And at the very middle of his final greetings, Paul goes ahead and says this, that to be on your guard, stand firm in your face, be men of courage, be strong, do everything in love. It's important for us to know that we have to be on our guard. Be on your guard. It's like a military person that, you know, the moment they set up camp, the first thing they do is is a group of, of military guys out in the enemy's area, and the first thing to do is they'll, they'll post somebody so the others can sleep. They will post a guard so they can watch out so the others can rest. Be on your guard. It's important. Be on your guard. It's, it's several times, uh, a couple dozen times, actually, in the New Testament. Look at Matthew chapter 24. Here's what it says. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know on what day your Lord will return. See, we've got to be on our guard, because you never know when he's coming back. Verse 43, but understand this, if the owner of a house had known at the time of the night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would have not have let his house be broken into. So you also must be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Folks, we have to be on guard. We can't live our lives in a lackadaisical kind of way where whatever come, whatever go, whatever, it doesn't really matter because Jesus loves me anyway. We have to be on our guard and be astute to what God has called us to do. The church had a host of problems, spiritual maturity and misunderstanding, and they also had a tolerance of sin. Listen, don't misinterpret anything I've said up until now that we should be tolerant of sin. Absolutely not. When Holy Spirit's convicting you that something is wrong, when Holy Spirit's saying, listen, back off from that. When, when Holy Spirit's saying, listen, bring that to a whole turnaround there. What you're doing, what you're saying, how you're thinking is wrong. Then by all means, obey Holy Spirit. But what I've witnessed in people over the years is they are far more concerned. They, they've blown it, and they waste all kinds of energy on that self-condemnation and kicking themselves. That at the end of the day, they don't spend any energy in making themselves right with the Lord. You understand what I'm saying there? Don't make the issue that you failed. Make the issue that God has convicted me of a sin. I need to confess it and move on. I want that to soak in for a moment. There was a father and a son working on a double-sided puzzle. I've not seen too many of those. I've heard of them. Both sides have a puzzle picture. On one side was the map of the world. On the other side was a picture of a man. And the young boy had put the puzzle together many times before. He was very familiar with it. But as his father struggled to find the right place for all the pieces to complete the picture of the world, his son told him to turn the pieces over, Dad, because he found it was much easier to put together the puzzle by concentrating on the picture of the man. Listen to the words and the wisdom from this young man to his own father. Here's what he said. Finishing the puzzle quickly, the boy looked at his dad and he said, Listen, Dad, see, when you, when you get the man right... The world is right. You and I have friends and co-workers and neighbors and relatives that spend a lot of time digesting all the things of the world and all what's wrong with it. And they follow politics and Fox News and CNN and, and they're up on all the junk that's going on around the world. They spend a lot of time, a lot of energy discussing, debating, blah, blah, 
blah, blah, blah. Yeah? Do you know some blah, blah people? If you're one of those blah, blah people, would you raise your hand? Wow. Okay. Can somebody lay hands on this young man right here? When we get the man right, the world is right. I love what our sister delivered a word from the Lord. Look past the faults. Look past the faults. The older I get, that stuff, man, what a waste of time. Pointing out other people's junk and there, there's a lot to accomplish that you don't want to waste your energy on pointing out other people's faults. And give, give one another grace. Remember when you were in school and there was a due date and you just couldn't get it done? And so you brought it in the next day, and you just knew, I'm going to have 50 points deducted, I just know it. And the teacher looks at you and says, Danny, you're a good student. I'm going to let you pass this time. I'm going to, I'm going to give you a kind of a grace. I'm, I'm going to not take points off. You're like, Whew. Well, some of you can't relate to that, but most of us can relate to this. You know when you've done something wrong on the road in your vehicle? And you look in your rearview mirror, and you see those red and blue lights, and you're like, uh-oh, my insurance is going to go up. And you get all, your heart starts to race, and you think, okay, is my license in my wallet? Do I have my, my uh, you know, uh, registration with me? And, and uh, I hope I'm up to, to speed on my, my ticket, and, and uh, I, hope, I hope I don't have any outstanding warrants on my, my uh, you, you go through all this in your heart, right? And you're like getting ready to pull over, and all of a sudden, what happens? He goes past you, and like, yes, Holy Spirit's with me today. I must have no sin in my life. Yes, I got a pass. Am I the only one that's happened to? Oh, you know when you kind of do that rolling stop sign where you're supposed to stop and you don't, you know? And you're like, oh no, he saw me. I'm going to be convicted and in jail for 10 years. And whoosh, he goes and gets somebody else. And you drive by and you're like, ha ha, sucker. And then I'm like, I didn't know Pastor Jerry was driving a Ford. Isn't the, the range of emotions incredible in that moment? You go from absolute dread, like, oh, no, i got to write a check out because I'm speeding, to all of a sudden, yes, they got somebody else. I can't explain that theologically. All I know is it feels really good. It's just like a high that I can ride for a long I'm like, yes, woo, Holy Spirit's all over me. There's no sin in my life today. All right. Well, I touched a nerve, didn't I? Yes. You're all like, oh, I remember that time or, or times. Listen, Jesus is all we need no matter what we're going through, whether you're running from the cops or hiding from the cops or any of that. Let me tell you, when you're facing uncertainty in your life, you're uncertain of your future because of your, your health, or you're in a relationship that you know is not grounded in the Lord and you're wondering where it's going to end up, your finances are so screwed up you don't know where that's going to end and there's a lot of uncertainty and the Lord wants to bring you some strengthening today. I want you to listen to a couple of scriptures. And if you're taking notes, they won't be on the screen. You can write them down, but listen carefully to some of these scriptures. When you're facing uncertainty, this is some encouraging word for us this morning. Isaiah chapter 41.10, don't be afraid for I'm with you. Don't be discouraged 
For I am your God. I will strengthen you and I will help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. Psalm 9, 9 and 10 says this. The Lord is a shelter for the oppressed, a refuge. Say refuge. A refuge in times of trouble. A refuge. We've all been caught in a, in a downpour, walking from the mall to the car. Yeah? Ever been there? <clears throat> or from the car to the mall. And in the midst of that downpour, you are just counting the steps until you get to the car or get to the mall, and you have a refuge from that thunder and lightning and rain and all that downpour stuff. See, the stuff of life sometimes is a downpour. It's overwhelming. And some of you feel as though when you're in the car, the downpour is there. When you're in the mall, the downpour is there. Uh, frankly, sometimes when you're at church, you feel like it's still the downpour. Let me tell you, God wants to be your refuge. Allow him to pour into you. Allow him to give you that peace and that strengthening that he needs. Hmm. The rest of Psalm 9 says this. Those who know your name trust in you for you, O Lord, do not abandon those who search for you. He will not abandon you. As you search for him, you will find him. Always, always, always. You never get a busy signal. He always answers the phone. You will never, never, never get an email that you send to God sent back. He hears everything that you ask of him. When you search him, you will find him. I give you that assurance today. John 16, says this, I've told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Rest in him during these times of tribulations. It's important we stand firm in the faith, to stand fast, to persevere, to not deviate from your faith. Jesus is truly all we need. The ones I'm concerned about is, like Ephesians 4.14 says, carried about by every wind of doctrine. It amazes me how there are some believers that have known the Lord for a couple of decades or more. But they're still not grounded. They allow themselves to be carried by every wind of doctrine. And the newest thing, the newest concern, the newest whatever, and they're this way this week, and they're this way next week, and my golly, does that take a lot of energy. Wow, no wonder they're weary. When you're chasing this down and chasing that down and chasing this down, you're weary. You, you, you're getting tired out. That's something to get coffee and a, and a fiber bar and fiber one won't help you. Don't be carried by every wind of doctrine. Stand firm in what you know to be true. Don't allow confusion to rule. Be men of courage. Be men of courage, the scripture says. Act courageously as Christians. Be strong. Be a woman of courage. Be a man of courage. This past week, my daughter and I went to Phoenix, Arizona. I went there to do the funeral of my uncle, my daughter who just recently graduated from college in May. You know, you don't get a whole lot of alone time once they become adults. You know, you know that, parents, right? So the schedules worked out, and I said, honey, why don't you, why don't you come with me? Patty had to work, and so she, she went with me, and we had a, an amazing daddy-daughter few days in Phoenix. And of course, we, we drove to the Grand Canyon because I had not been there for about 40 years. I went there as a, as a teenager, and uh, I noticed it got a little bit bigger. That's what I saw. When I, and from 40 years ago, she'd never been there, so we went. <clears throat> I don't like heights. Anybody else with me on that? Yeah. 
I'm okay if, if the railing's there, right? And I'll look over all, you know, because what am I doing? I'm holding on to the railing. I'm thinking, yeah, I'll be a man of courage as long as I'm holding on. I'm looking over, and, you know, I'm taking pictures the whole time. I'm holding on to, a, you know, and all that. And, and so, but we went to another sort of isolated spot to look, and we were told that it was even more beautiful because there was just less people and all that. So we went, guess what? There was no railing. There were just big old boulders that I swear God, like, got in this big old hand, this big, you know, gazillion-tongued boulder that's the size of a room, and, and just put some Elmer's glue on it and went on the side of a mountain. And that's what my daughter wanted to go on. Now, I wanted to be a manly man, right? Okay, honey. And then there's this Australian couple, then there's this uh, English couple from England, and and they're out there, come on out, come on out. I'm thinking, do you realize this boulder is being held on this mountain by Elmer's glue? Come on, Pastor. See, God revealed that to me. I'm a man of God. I hear from him. I had to be a man of courage. So my knees were wobbling. <laughs> I finally got out there, but reluctantly. That's my Grand Canyon story for this week. My daughter, on the other hand, fearless. Fearless. She just walks out there and, you know, just da-da-da-da-da. Fearless. Scary fearless. But can I tell you the sense of, and listen, I hear my heart. I didn't have to prove myself to her. I, it's all good, you know. If I wouldn't have gone out, she would have still loved me as a dad. But can I tell you what satisfaction there was in my heart and my spirit to know that I did it? And again, I didn't have to prove anything. Hear my heart on that. I wasn't proving I was a man. Because for some of you, you would never be able to do that. There's been other situations in my life with heights I, I wasn't able to do. And I did wimp out. But here's my point. When we got our pictures and we, you know, we took pictures of the Australian couple, we took pictures of the English couple, they took pictures of us. And when we walked back off that Elmer's glue sticky thing there and got back on real solid ground there was a sense in my heart of number one whew, the Elmer's glue didn't give out number two I'm really glad I did that I wasn't stupid I wasn't on the edge but man am I glad I did that and can I tell you something folks when we're standing firm in the faith when we're recognizing that Jesus is all we need, and you're trying to, to work up the boldness. Say boldness. Boldness to talk to somebody about your faith. And we've all been there when you've said no to Holy Spirit, and you've walked away kicking yourself and thinking, oh man, I blew it, and I'm a loser, and all those things. And we've, hopefully, most of us have been there when you followed through, and you were bold, and you were courageous, and you went ahead and spoke about your faith, and you realized, yes, I planted a seed, or yes, I led that person to Christ. Maybe it wasn't the best wording. Maybe I didn't quote the right scripture. But I was bold and I was courageous. And God will honor that. And when you walk away from there, it's almost like when I go to my one workout a year, I feel so good. <laughs> I walk out of Planet Fitness and I go, yes, I'll see you next year, baby. But I feel good today. <laughs> and I meet the manager at Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> but I just have coffee. You know that old chorus, be bold, be strong, for the Lord thy God is with me. 
Can I tell you, when we're courageous for him and we're led of him, when we're bold, he will be with you. Church, listen, we got something the world needs. What about that two-sided puzzle? When we get the man right, the world is right. God is counting on you to be obedient to him. Church, learn to be a courageous Christian. He will not fail you. Do you think that every time a minister gets up here with a microphone and God downloads something that, you're, you know, some of you go, oh, wow, he must have been studying that for a week and he had that planned out. And oh, my, the Lord used him. Are you kidding me? Most of the time, when I step out here to transition in prayer, most of the time I have no clue what God's going to do. I have no clue what's going to come out of my mouth. And the same would be true for many of us. And it's no different when you're one-on-one -on -one with somebody. You just say, Holy Spirit, you've never failed me before, and you won't fail me now. Lord, allow me to be a living vessel. Help me to be courageous. Help me to recognize that Jesus is all I need and Jesus is all they need, and help me, God, to proclaim that truth as only Holy Spirit can help us do. And watch what God does. Can we stand together this morning? I'm going to make this altar call very, very simple. Those of you that are in the room that want to be more bold for Christ, that realize you got something inside that, 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 that this world needs, that Jesus, he's all we need, and that we need to be more courageous, and you wish you could be more courageous. And no one's saying you have to preach Sunday sermon next week. But we're all ministers of the gospel. Once you accept Christ, you're a minister of the gospel, and God has a calling on your life to be an example God has a calling in your life to be a vessel. God has a calling in your life to be a voice and to be bold and to be strong. If that's you and you know that you need a little extra help in that way, just as a step of faith, would you come down and we're going to pray together. We're going to sing a chorus. And we're just going to end our service today praying for those of you that just need to be a little more bold, a little more courageous. It's in your heart, but you have a hard time getting it out sometimes. Just come down to the front. I believe God is going to honor that today. I'm going to ask some of our prayer partners, some of our prayer team to come down as well and just lay hands on some of our staff. Just lay hands on some of these folks. I believe God's going to honor your heart's cry today. There are relatives that need to see the Jesus in you. And don't, listen church, don't beat yourself up for all those times you failed. Join the club. Don't allow yourself to be condemned by past mistakes and past sin and past failure. Look them in the eye. Take ownership and say, listen, I've not always been the best man or best woman I want to be. But please know how much I love you and how much God loves you. And watch how God will honor that. Let's sing this this morning. Yes, Lord. We need you this morning, God. Yes. Reach out to him this morning. I need you. I need you for Thank you, Lord. Jesus. More than yesterday, I need you more. 
Father, we need you this morning desperately. Desperately, Lord, we need you to give us the encouragement when we need it. We need to give you the endurance when we ask for it. Father, we need you to give us the boldness. Lord, those that are up front here today are asking for more boldness. So, Father, just in the, in the coming days, not in a week or two, but in the coming days, I ask you, God, to put before them the opportunity to present a new boldness. Lord, help them to just come out with that first word or two, and you will give them the rest. Holy Spirit, work in their lives. Holy Spirit, find fruit. Give them supernatural boldness. Help them to love better, to love more completely, to love more honestly. So, Lord, we ask you to do that in the name of Jesus. Father, these hearts are ones of searching. These hearts are ones that want to be a more honorable vessel for you. So, Lord, honor their prayer. Honor their heart's desire. Allow each and every one to recognize they've got something the world needs. Give them the boldness, the encouragement to share that. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Those of you that came forward, look at me for just for a second. I believe God's going to honor that prayer, but here's what your, your part in that is this. Holy Spirit will present the opportunity in the coming days, because I ask Him to. He will do that. It could be this afternoon at the restaurant. It could be tonight in your home. It could be tomorrow on your job. Your job is to be in tune. Your job is to make sure your frequency's in tune. So when Holy Spirit says do, Holy Spirit says say, Holy Spirit says move, you follow through. And take that first step and you watch how that next step comes and the next step comes and the next step comes. It works every single time. And your faith will be encouraged, your faith will be built up, and the next time it comes, guess what? It'll be even easier because you said, you know what, God? Woo, you helped me last time. You're going to help me this time. I can't wait to hear testimonies as early as this week. Please, please let the church know what God's doing. But your worlds are going to be tremendously encouraged because of your boldness, because of your ability to listen to the Holy Spirit. There's no greater feeling in the world than to be in tune with Him. No greater feeling. So I'm proud of you for coming forward. I believe God's going to honor that prayer. I really do. I really do. Listen, as we depart here in a closing blessing, I'm going to ask that some of our prayer team stay up here. And if you're in this room today, and you've never made a commitment to Christ, and you've never said, Lord, forgive me my sins. I admit that I'm a sinner. I believe that you are my Savior. I confess my sins. If you've never done that, we're going to have people up front here that want to meet with you and have the chance to pray with you. They love God, they love people, and they want to pray with you. So please take advantage. If you have another need that you want prayer for, we'll do that as well. So look me in the eyes, if you would, church. What a privilege it is to be here today, to be together. So, Father, in Jesus' name, the name that's above every other name, I pray blessings and favor and encouragement and life to flow through each of these hearts. But, Lord, this week would be one of financial breakthrough. Lord, this week would be one of extreme health that comes. Would be one of, Lord, peace, tranquility, purpose, and direction. In Jesus' name, the church said amen and amen. I love you.